0: Please clap. It it's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! We'll check this out. Check this out.
1: All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me, as always. I am. Uh, I do a different kind of show here. I, I think I want a tribe. I think I kind of make fun of people, or eh, I seem maybe a little condescending sometimes, the, the the tribe mentality in this country. But it would probably be nice to have a big group of people that, <laughs> that agreed with me. They're difficult to find in my world, so occasionally I run across them, and... Uh, I didn't even attribute this. I, I clipped it as a uh, as a quote of the day for the show. If you kind of want to know where I, where I stand when it comes to 2024 election year, sheesh, oh, I'm not looking forward to any of it. But uh, I found somebody who could inhabit my political island with me. Somebody posted this. They said, What kind of disrespect it is when tens of millions of parents live through COVID, watch their kids have their childhood stolen, and then the next presidential election, we nominate two 80-year-olds who both say they did a great job with COVID. A- amen. <laughs> I, 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 I don't understand. I just don't understand. There's some kind of funny news over the past week. I mean, it's, this kind of came and went and maybe is gone. I, I was so happy to see the, the metaverse just crash and burn. I warned people about it and given their kids, but apparently I didn't even need to. Nobody had an appetite for the metaverse. It really was very, I don't know, It offered nothing of real interest. You had an avatar with no legs and and big corporations were moving in there. You could go on the metaverse and go through a Walmart for some reason. Apparently some people got sexually assaulted in the metaverse. I'm not sure how the metaverse works, but could you not just turn it off? I mean, for you, women have got to deal with some aggressive men throughout their life. My heart goes out to you. It must be so annoying to have to fend off uh, men your entire life. I've seen these guys. Uh, but, you know, if if you go into a digital world and someone starts messing with you, I, I think you just turn it off and you just leave. Uh, that would be my understanding. But anyway, the, the metaverse just crashed and burned. But they're... They're wanting to get us into VR, into virtual reality. Is it's it's just a trend they're trying to get us to. I wish I had the clip. Andrew Ross Sorkin. He is, uh, he's one of the Wall Street types. He's on CNBC all the time, and he was speaking. I, I don't think it was the World Economic Forum, but they were doing one of their you know where all the rich people get together and they, they act real important and talk to each other, kind of above us, kind of like they're our parents or something like that. And, and what Andrew Ross Sorkin was saying was he could imagine a period of time, you know, or not, not imagine a period of time, he could imagine time is coming when wealthy people, I think he called them people of means, where people of means could travel around the world. Private jet, really enjoy everything that planet Earth has. But for the for people of lesser means, I believe this is a quote, I'm kicking myself, I didn't have the clip ready for me, but... He said, "I believe people of lesser means—they'll be able to just go in their living room and put on their VR headset, and they can travel anywhere in the world." And he was almost saying this kind of like a, "Like isn't that neat? Isn't that neat for the, it's kind of like a, you know, a, a new playgroup for the kids or something when you're a parent? Oh, isn't that cute? Look what they can go do." Well, it's just really gross. So this idea—I think they're going to try to put us if we're not already there, and I'm not convinced we're not. Someone's going to talk me out of the matrix theory at this point. The world's gone so bizarre, but uh they keep trying this and apparently the Apple Vision Pro came out. It just within the last couple of weeks, I'm assuming. I just started seeing headlights on, headlines on it. I you know, I may just be one of the worst people in the world to do a talk radio show because I really don't pay attention to a lot of things that are happening in the world right now. It's probably the only thing keeping me the least bit sane and many people listening to the show may question that sanity, but uh the apple pro is that what it's called uh yeah apple vision pro this thing had been out about a week and i run across a headline short vision people are returning the apple vision pro as users complain about three pro- problems including headaches apparently these goggles people have been showing people out in public in these things driving in these things and i don't even know what they do But they look ridiculous, and I can't imagine what they would offer that would really enhance life. Uh, Maybe it's something that a surgeon could use. Have you ever seen these surgeons do these remote control surgeries? As, As much as I like to bash the medical establishment, the surgeries that they can do now and the ways that they can do them are absolutely fascinating. It's kind of what I imagine if all the technology, if they let the things be used for good rather than evil, it's it's one of those things. I mean, doctors can operate, you know, you can get the, the top surgeon can work a joystick, essentially. A little more involved than that. It's, you know, hand movements and everything. And they can remote control a robot to do a surgery. Now, apparently, sometimes these robots, they, they may cut things off they didn't mean to. It's still working out some bugs, but it's pretty amazing. But... For the uh, rank-and-file normie out there walking around in these things, I can't imagine, but of course, the people are already getting headaches. And this is after, you know, I don't know what part of my body would hurt if I'd spent $3,500 for a pair of these goggles. But they are returning them for conditions such as migraines, chronic headaches, dizziness or vertigo, eye or vision conditions, psychological conditions, inner ear conditions... Dry eyes, itchiness, or swelling of the eyelids; infections of the eyes, eyelids, or skin around the eyes; skin allergies or sensitivities; seizures, balance, or gait conditions. I'm not sure if the if there's not a pharmaceutical company somehow behind this thing. The list of side effects on Apple Vision Pro is about as long as it is on a, on a statin. Anyway, this is another flash in the pan. I guess they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and try to how to figure to suck us straight up. Uh, into the matrix. This was also fairly interesting to me. Uh, you know, I guess I, I was on a streak there of two or three shows of really going in some good news. I will report some more good news. The farmer strikes that I've been so interested in, the, not even strikes, they're protests and hardcore protests. The European farmers know how to protest. I will tell you that. It's the manure cannons that I'm so enthralled with, where they go to government buildings Not like Black Lives Matter where they just go out and start trashing everything and burning down mom-and-pop shops. But the farmers in England will go straight to the heart of the problem, which is the government buildings, and just coat them in manure. There's just no more beautiful sight uh, than that to me. I can't remember where it started. It might have been the Dutch farmers and then some of the German farmers. Now it's English farmers, Welsh farmers, French farmers. They, they are, This thing is spreading everywhere, pun intended, you know, with the manure and all. But it is spreading everywhere, so more rebellion against this, this new green economy. But it is just not going well for them at all. And I loved, I'd love to post someone made, I don't know if you're seeing this, but apparently uh, electric vehicles are just stacking up at car dealerships. Now, I may be exaggerating. You know, I live in a, bit, a little bit of a bubble. And so maybe some of the social media accounts I follow or... But I think they're pretty objective. They're like car guy sites. And apparently the EVs are just not selling. It may have something to do with all the headlines of the drivers that were stranded in sub-zero temperatures for hours and hours waiting on broken down chargers. And they were getting towed out of parking lots. That probably wasn't great marketing for the EV market. But they're not selling well. Even I've heard that the Biden administration, excuse me, the Biden regime is even considering tamping down maybe some of their expectations of shoving us into an all-electric world. Of course, it makes no sense whatsoever. They're killing little kids in Africa who are mining cobalt. I mean, the whole thing is just a gigantic mess. But... It is good news that it's backfiring on them so spectacularly. But somebody posted this, and check this out. And I, this, is, this is a great twist in perspective. This is one of those things I think, why am I not smart enough to think of this on my own? But uh, gas price wizard, well, I don't know if I can attribute that to them. I don't get into attribution here, but it's just basically like a meme. Listen to this. It says, quote, imagine we lived in a world where all cars were EVs. And then comes along a new invention, the internal combustion engine. Think how well they would sell. A vehicle half the weight, half the price, that will almost quarter uh, the damage done to the road. A vehicle that can be refueled in one-tenth of the time and has a range of up to four times the distance in all weather conditions. It does not rely on the environmentally damaging use of non-renewable rare earth elements to power it and use far less steel and other materials. Just think how excited people would be for such technology. It would sell like hotcakes. (laughs) That really is quite amazing. I don't know. I don't know in, in much of, certainly not in free markets, but really even in the advance of of society where we've ever been given a product that was demonstrably worse in so many different areas and somehow we were conned into buying into it and buying it you really you think about if if all we had were these electric cars right now and someone came out and said look what we can do (laughs) this thing doesn't weigh as much cost half as much doesn't do as much damage to the roads you can fuel it in like 10 percent of the time it takes you to power that ev people will be like i got to get one of those gas fired cars they're actually taking us in the, in a worse direction that's absolutely genius and a very very interesting perspective shift all right well we got some news to get to when we come back stick around got to take a quick break. the
0: co wind blow. rough night in
1: You know, speaking about cars, um, several years ago, I bought a car on Carvana. I think I may have talked about this before. I don't know if anybody's done this. This is a big online car retailer. Apparently, they're coming back. Several of the uh, online retailers have gone belly up. I think Vroom actually is gone now. Carvana was kind of circling the drain in the spring of last year. And I was, I was interested in that because I'd used their service. It, it was really pretty fascinating. I... I bought a car in about 30 minutes and got financing for it. In about 30 minutes from my couch, I actually had to catch a bus over to Birmingham to pick it up because I was too cheap for the $550 delivery fee, but notwithstanding, I thought I got a decent deal. There was no haggling or anything like that. I was happy with the price, whatever, and I've enjoyed the car, but I did use the service. I didn't get the big car vending machine, though. I was a little disappointed when I got to Birmingham. The thing was just sitting there. I don't know if you've seen these, but they have the big car vending machines. I'm not saying that's why I bought it. I'm no sucker. But I was kind of looking forward to that. Anyway, What, what was what's interesting about the car market and Carvana in particular is that a few years after I got that car, when I started getting into a different line of work, I realized I kind of needed a truck or at least an SUV. Really, an SUV was better so I could lock stuff in the back of it. And so about 2021, maybe, I really started in in earnest looking at some SUVs. I am a fan of the Jeep Grand Cherokee. I've had several of them. They performed great. I like the way they look. I was just, I'm a fan of the cars. Apparently, a lot of people are. I see them everywhere. But I was just amazed in 2021, 2022, as I was just casually looking Ended up I got a company car. I didn't need to get one. But I I followed the prices and I was just watching these cars go up month after month after month. I just couldn't believe how much they were asking for, you know, a three-year-old Jeep Grand Cherokee. I don't think of that as some great luxury car. I think they're very nice. They're everything that I need. But they were starting to treat them like, I mean, I remember days when you could buy a Porsche 911 for more than they were, uh, I mean, for less than they were asking for for a three-year-old Jeep Grand Cherokee. The reason that I bring it up now is that I've noticed about over the last, I don't know, five to six weeks now, uh, Carvana started reaching out to me. They really didn't even almost seem interested, even though I was shopping. you know, Occasionally, they would say, this car is almost gone. This is when the prices were going up. For the last four to six weeks, I get an email daily. Mike, have you checked out the new price drops on, on all of these cars? So something is going on in the used car market, and I don't know if it's nationwide. I don't know if it's model dependent. I don't know what it is, but it is a different direction than it was in 2022, 2023, where prices were going through the roof. If you bought in 2022 or 2023 in particular, uh, I don't want to break it to you, but you may be upside down if you bought a used car because I have seen prices, I would say, come down. And now some of the cars are, I mean, they may have gotten a year older. So I guess some of them have been sitting for a while, but they're down a good 25, 30% uh, from what I saw them a couple of years ago. So just something else to kind of found kind of interesting. You know, I was talking yesterday about the fact that I've been up in uh, Detroit, Michigan for the past several weeks. And, And I find the people in Detroit to be very similar to the people in Jackson, to be very similar to the people in California and Texas. Where else have I been? I've been in Wisconsin, Alabama, Louisiana this year. Everybody's really kind of the same. You know, I started thinking about it the other day. I thought, if I walked up to a thousand random Americans across all of these states that I've been to and, and any other state in the country, I'm just assuming we're pretty much all very similar. I don't care who i walk up to. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter. Young, old, middle class, working class, or poor. And, and if I ask them what kind of challenges they were facing... I've been trying to think in my head, could I somehow pull this off like when I'm off work? It's just I work so much. I get one day off a week. I'm not going to go out and do man on the street. I'm a one day off. I need to relax. But if I went around to a thousand different people across the country of all different ages, everything except for the uber wealthy, nothing against the uber wealthy, a lot of great people have had great success. God love you. Good job. But I would say probably about 90 to 95% of Americans are facing the same challenges. I I would think that most people would answer the same thing. The first thing that would come out of most people's mouths, I would just imagine, would be financial. Things are just too expensive. It is more difficult to keep up with the Joneses, and I don't even know if people care about that anymore, just to keep their head above water, particularly the younger you get uh, at this time realizing the American dream is slipping away from younger generations. I would think that just trying to keep up and improve things in their own lives without things getting harder, I would say uh, other things people would talk about, because I've I've been in all these different states, I see the same things too. I see the roads are crumbling. I see traffic is just horrible because of all the, the construction and pits in the road. I mean, it's just terrible. I would imagine people would talk about infrastructure stuff, that the water is garbage. I'm not far from Flint, Michigan. I'm not scooting over there to get a cup of, cup of water. But, you know, utility prices. I, I would just imagine that these are the kinds of things for a thousand people, young, old, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, gay, straight, doesn't matter, married, unmarried. What else would they talk about? And and I get this from conversations. Again, I don't start them, but I, I would imagine most people would talk about crime. They would talk about the border. They would talk about medical conditions, the costs associated with drugs and hospitals and any kind of medical emergency that is the leading cause of bankruptcy in this country. And and if I did this kind of interview with people without any kind of political slant. No, no identification of political parties or anything. Just asking the question, you know, what, what kind of challenges, what, what would you like to see better in your life? What, what, are you, what kind of challenges are you facing? I would imagine everybody outside of the uber-wealthy in this country is really experiencing the same hardships. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, some people have got family issues, you know, personal things, but I'm talking about just life in America. And, and it really made me stop and wonder, and this is something I've certainly talked about before, but if this is the case, if my theory is correct, and a thousand people from every walk of life across every part of the United States would have really probably the generally the same issues. Now, I'd run into some nut jobs who say that white supremacy is the biggest issue. <laughs> there are some Kool-Aid drinkers out there. But I got to tell you, it's probably 5% of the population that is really that unhinged. Most people are just trying to live their lives, and so if everybody has these same issues, how do the people in charge of this country get away with that? I mean, just think about it. We are all mad. There's, there's. Uh, if you're looking at 95 percent of the people, it's uh, 315, 320 million Americans are all pretty dissatisfied or. Borderline mad about the same stuff. These kinds of complaints, these challenges, they don't have a race or a sex or an age or anything. Yet somehow our political system is, or or the, the people who infest it, are so successful in convincing people that it is the other guy's fault, and they are the key to fixing all of these things. They're so good at that for generation after generation. Now, going on for, what, 50, 60 years at least. It's all I can really associate with. And they they can actually get us bickering with each other while they do nothing but continue to make our lives harder. And, and as I was thinking about this, I realized that's what's so strange to me, too, because I think, and it may be because I am challenged uh, rhetorically. Maybe libertarians in general are. I don't know. There's a big streak of autism in the Libertarian Party. <laughs> I think I just have what was an oppositional defiance disorder. I think that's what brings me to it. But why is this such a hard message to get across to people? Because people listening right now to this will say, yeah, you know, that's true. But then they will get around their friends and their family in an hour or two, and when they discuss these things, they'll go right back to blaming only the other side, like their side is fixing anything at all. And, and I don't think it's lack of intelligence. I know a lot of intelligent people who who believe that if you vote a little harder, if we, if we carry the House in 2024 and get the president, you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter what party. The same Democrats would have said the same thing in 2020. And where are you now, Democrats? How's everything going? And people will pin these same hopes and have the same complaints, whatever happens in November of this year. I guarantee you in January of next year and the year after and the year after and the year after, you will have the same complaints you have now, plus some. And I don't know if it's uh, just lack of courage. I think it takes some courage to say to your friends... Kind of what needs to be said or to point out the painfully obvious, even though the, the tribe doesn't agree with it, it's just really mystifying to me because the more I travel, the more I realize we're the same. And I and trust me, I am in homes and speak to people that are black and white and young and old, starting a new family or retiring. I talk to widows and widowers. I talk to I talk to a just I am talking to the melting pot of America, and to a person, they seem to kind of be going through the same things, the tough stuff. Yet for some reason, we can't get out of our own way, can't throw off the shackles of these these political parties and the way they manipulate all of us to come together and go. Well, I don't know. I don't want to join their side, but I know neither side's is doing anything. We just need to stop doing what we've been doing. Seems like that's a pretty easy sell. When I get back, Tucker Carlson kind of understood this, too. It might have been what made me kind of come, you know, start really thinking about this a little deeply uh, when Tucker Carlson was in Russia. And he started talking about the fact that what we're going through right now is a choice. It's not an accident. It's a choice that people have made for us. It should make everybody angry. We'll listen to what Tucker says about it when we come back. Stick around. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. A little, little backstage to the uh, the road show that is the Mike Madison Show. When I'm on the road, I, I usually cook. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to get a whole lot of takeout. Food is not. Restaurant food, I really enjoy going out to eat with people. The Restaurant food is just not always as great when you get it home. But also, I had started getting a little... A little soft around the middle, I will say. And so I kind of redoubled my efforts and made sure I'm I'm cooking some good food. I towed an air fryer with me, and I've really loved the air fryer. And then, of course, this week I run across an article that says something about air fryers putting out toxic fumes. Now I've got to research that, possibly re- rethink. I'm going to have to start carrying my cast iron skillet with me to cook my steaks in. But anyway, I I had ordered some food uh, from a delivery service. I move around a lot. Uh, I'm in different towns from anywhere from about three weeks to three months. It just depends. So I'm put up in a, you know, kind of a uh, extended stay hotel. got a kitchen and all that that stuff. But what's interesting is I, I was using my Uber Eats app when I first got up to Detroit and I ordered some food. First night I got in, I hadn't had a chance to unpack and go to the grocery store and everything. So I went ahead and ordered some food and I was, you know, watching on the app where the food is. And I see it's a few minutes out. I'm a nice guy. So I'll go down to the lobby to greet the driver so he doesn't have to wait. Hopefully he doesn't have to get out of his car and I'll get the food. And he was at my location, said he had arrived. There was nobody there. And I was looking around, and finally my phone rang, and the, the guy said, yeah, I've got your food. I'm here. I said, well, I'm standing in the lobby. He said, well, I am too. And I looked around, and there was nobody there. And that was when I realized that I had actually forgotten to change my address, update my address. So uh, they had delivered to the hotel that I was in two weeks previous uh, in Alabama instead of Michigan. So I did feed an, an Uber Eats driver a couple of weeks ago, just out of the kindness of my heart. So... <laughs> I do start to pay attention to those things now. Anyway, uh, you know, I I really do find Tucker Carlson to be. uh, He is certainly uh, he and probably Joe Rogan is very interesting in Joe Rogan is somebody who he's uh, he doesn't know a whole lot of stuff going into a lot of the interviews that he does which is very refreshing because he's a very open-minded guy and he's a great interviewer and gets a lot of things out of people and every time i listen to a joe rogan show i listen to so you know i i learn something he's got a great style and and it's uh it's entertaining and for somebody that's on the road as much as me thank god for joe rogan because he does keep me entertained tucker carlson is someone who knows a lot of stuff he's been around but what what i find most interesting about tucker and i don't agree with him on e- on everything I believe he said some pretty disparaging things about libertarians. Sometimes he's right about those things. (laughs) Libertarians can be as annoying as any other group. But I I don't agree with him on anything. But he's an interesting guy. And and to watch him change his mind on things is really refreshing. In a world full of people who just know things. They know what this person's thinking. They know what's going to happen next. They know this. They know that. None of us really know much of anything. And Tucker Carlson, to see him uh, actually even evolve on issues over the course of a fairly short period of time, Tucker was, I think he was pretty on board with lockdowns and things like that when uh, when they first came out, when COVID first hit. But he was willing to backtrack on that and change his mind. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 he gives me the vibe that he's honest about these things and a sincere guy. But he's he's an interesting guy, and he's done interesting things And his interview with Putin was certainly one of those. What's been even more interesting is hearing about his uh, experiences in Russia. He's done some other lengthy interviews talking about Russia and our country and some others that are certainly worth the listen. But I wanted to play this in light of the segment I just did where you know, I do believe that about 300 million plus of us have re- are really facing the same kind of life and we've been able to have been manipulated to be pitted against each other and we each think our side is going to fix everything and we we hate the other side cuz they're obstructing our side from fixing things. And so Tucker Carlson goes to uh goes to Moscow. And I'm going to play this clip of his experience in a grocery store because I think it I think it kind of opens up a question along what I'm saying. Well, you know, we we've got the large, vast majority, vast, vast majority of Americans really facing the same kinds of issues here, and yet for some reason we stick with the same two political parties, a lot of the same players, and if it's not the same names, it's the same kind of people. I mean, look, what is the difference if you were to look at voting record or just written statements by Greg Harper and Michael Guest? Can you, I mean, would anybody be able to tell them apart? In any meaningful way, Roger Wicker or Thad Cochran or Trent Lott—that they, they are the same person in three different meat bodies—and so anyway, I'll, I'll play this clip of of uh, Tucker Carlson in a Russian uh, food store and what he has to say about it, and then we'll talk on the other side. I went from
0: amused to legitimately angry. Um... So we were guessing what this would cost. Everybody hears from the United States, buys groceries, and we didn't pay any attention to costs. We were just putting in the cart what we would actually eat over a week. And we all came in around 400 bucks. about $400. Bucks. Um, it was $104 U.S. here. And that's when you start to realize that ideology maybe doesn't matter as much as you thought, corruption. If you take people's standard of living and you tank it through filth and crime and inflation, And they literally can't buy the groceries they want at that point maybe it matters less what you say or whether you're a good person or a bad person you're wrecking people's lives in their country and that's what our leaders have done to us and coming to a russian grocery store the heart of evil and seeing what things cost and how people live it will radicalize you against our leaders that's how i feel anyway radicalized we're not making any of this up by the way at all
1: yeah I, I think I was radicalized in about 2004 when I started looking around and kind of noticing the same things, just like, what, what exactly, what in the hell was going on in this country? The Republicans told me they were for this or that, and they were just expanding the size of government and printing money and piling on debt and dropping bombs around the world. And I thought, what in the world? What is going on? Uh, Tucker did another interview where he talked about the fact that, you know, what's going on in the United States right now when you talk about crime or homelessness or the border or the cost of living or the failing infrastructure in this country, he said it's a choice, and I believe he's right. It goes back to the openings, you know, the, the quote that I read was, was basically these politicians, they, they campaign on problems that they created in the first place, then they implement what they say are solutions that actually make the problem worse so that the next campaign season they can actually campaign against the consequences of their last actions and and Tucker made the point he said you know this is on purpose and that, you know you look at our country we are now 34 trillion headed towards 35 trillion dollars in debt and and the question really should be asked and again, I'm going to say this every time because I want to make sure people really understand. This show is very different. I know what's going on in this country right now while we're run by this this corrupt dementia patient. It's very easy to look at that and go, oh, my gosh, things are terrible now. We've got to get back to where we were in 2019. There are a lot of people out there saying, oh, in 2019, we were doing great. That was just a debt society, too. It was just part of the bubble, you know, when Tucker talks about the fact that it doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person or whatever, if the results are people struggling the way they are, I, I, this is another thing. Uh, Donald Trump printed up 6 to $7 trillion in 2020, which was really lit the fuse on inflation that Joe Biden just poured gasoline on and just decimated people's pocketbooks. But we are poised to reelect Donald Trump like it didn't even happen, like he never did that. He was actually asking for more. He shut down small businesses, shot out a bunch of $1,400 checks, $600 checks to the little people, and then sent trillions of dollars to the uber wealthy in bailouts and PPP loans and the rest of those things, printing up and borrowing all this money in 2020. And we pretend like Joe Biden just walked in and everything was going great and suddenly he just tanked everything and created all the inflation. Joe Biden made it worse. But when you stop and think about the money, the money out of D.C., if they cared about us in the slightest bit, what, what could we have done with, let's just say, the $9 trillion that's been wasted in the Middle East? That's a, that's a serious question, I think. Wouldn't R for $9 trillion, and I understand it is difficult for any of us to conceive what $9 trillion is, now that we say trillion a lot... It's kind of lost its meaning. But $9 trillion is a tremendous amount of money. Russia's GDP is $1.5 trillion a year. So $9 trillion is six times Russia's entire economy. This is what we have just wasted in Middle East wars. I'm going to talk about the rest of government spending. I'm talking about that one little slice, $9 trillion. Wouldn't our infrastructure in the United States be pristine for $9 trillion? Wouldn't our airports, Tucker has gone and covered the uh, subway stations in Moscow, (laughs) they're just beautiful. Wouldn't our airports and our subways be absolutely gorgeous with an extra $9 trillion? You know, we could have an entire high speed rail system to make travel fast and affordable. It would even make flying better because they would have competition. We could have some of the most beautiful parks and recreational areas in the world for nine trillion dollars. Now, let me let me explain this real quick. Of course, I don't want the federal government in charge of any of these things or anything else. But currently, they do control all of that. And they have spent just that nine trillion dollars on wars in the Middle East, trillions of dollars on things like prescription drug programs to go to the pharmaceutical companies, trillions more. I don't want them doing any of these things, but if they are going to steal from the American people and dish out money, see, they could make a conscious decision to make life in the United States really something nice. And instead, they are letting it fall apart. And and we are just these comfortable slaves. and And... Going through these hardships and the ugliest that we have right now, couldn't we have just the most pristine drinking water on earth? For $9 trillion, they could have sent a a, a fraction of 1% to Jackson, Mississippi, before there was a crisis and said, hey, we noticed your, your water system's getting a little old. You, you Here's a few billion dollars to get your... We're going to make sure everybody's water system is kept up to date so we don't have crises. They don't do that, do they? And we could throw another 10 or $20 trillion of taxpayer money uh, into the kitty, into this, things that could have been used for the benefit of the people of the United States. But instead, we've let these political parasites steal all of this money from us and give it to their friends. Now, if you want to see something beautiful, you know, Tucker was saying, I'm going around, Seeing all these beautiful cities in Russia and my cities don't look like this anymore. They used to, but they don't anymore. Well, if you want to see beauty, Tucker, go to the oligarchs' homes. Go to the big bankers' homes. I would imagine that Jamie Dimon lives in a beautiful home. Look at Barack Obama's Martha's Vineyard estate. I'm sure that is gorgeous. See, there are certain pockets in this country where there is great beauty, but it is limited to really about a 0.1% of the people out there. And when you stop and think about the fact that this was a choice all along, this wasn't, this wasn't a country that was just careening out of control. There's just nothing they could do. They, they just, you know, it's just inevitable, Mike. We've just got an older country. No. They could have stopped all of this. They could have made other choices. They could have directed the efforts of Washington, D.C. to make us freer and more prosperous and more comfortable, but they just flat out didn't. Republicans and Democrats, black and white, liberal and conservative, doesn't matter, Washington, D.C. has failed the entire country. They've still stripped you of your money, but your money is now overseas and in oligarch pockets, not in your parks, not in your schools. How beautiful could our schools in this country be? And maybe even educating kids for $9 trillion that they flushed down the uh, toilet in the Middle East. And uh, of course, this doesn't count Ukraine and the rest of the 800 military bases we have around the world as they control this empire of, of wealth and power and oil and pipelines and natural resources. Just think about what we could have had, what this country could look like. If you can conceive of what $9 trillion could have done for our own people, then you might understand. Of course, my solution would have been, we'll keep the country nice. You let us keep $9 trillion in our own pockets. Got to take a break. I'll be right back.
0: Woke up in my closet
1: All right, final segment. Only got about a minute left. And so, see, this is why this show is going to be so hard for me in 2024 during this campaign season, because I have to listen to two parties, presidents, senators, all campaign on the problems that they have either created or made worse, come out and tell us that they pinky swear they're going to really fix it this time. And I know it's not going to happen. And I've got to watch my fellow citizens who I care about and I like and I want to see the best for I'm going to watch them fall for it again all year long It's already been happening And I know there's a lot of people out there who say well you got to keep some hope I'm like well you know, maybe Trump this time will do it it's like the truckers that are that are protesting for Trump. God love them. That's, that's great. Use your ability to nonviolently dissent. I love it. Truckers got a lot of power in this country, but can you do it for, us, for everybody? Do we have to hyper-focus on this one person? Does our, does our entire fate of this country really rest at the feet of a New York City billionaire that's almost 80 years old? Is that the only chance we've got? Because if so, we're probably in some pretty big trouble. We need to upset this entire apple cart. And instead, 2024 is about really making it more ensconced. Getting people to carry more water for the system that has gotten us where we are now. That's why it's difficult for a libertarian to do a show in an election year. And the sad thing about it is, as much as I criticize Donald Trump, and as terrible as I think he was, and the mistakes and just the the consequences of the Trump years, he's the better choice between him and Joe Biden. That is, to me, that is a true low spot in our country where we are right now. That's all the time I got. Have a great one. I'll talk to you next time. Bye bye ready So
0: what you talking about? I'm not running out my mouth. I know this without a doubt if you know these streets, Then these streets know you. And when this time, don't handle Said we know what to, do, what to do. Me and my crew, we
1: stay true. Old school and new. Many will call, but the chosen the few. We,